It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. My name is Tom Scarda, and I am the host. Thank you for listening in. And if you've never listened to the podcast before, I am a franchise Everyone consultant by day and then a the podcaster by night. And so I'm here to help you understand the world of franchising, help you to understand the pros and cons of franchising and whether it might be a good ownership value proposition for you and your family and your future. So I've been in the franchise industry more than 20 years. I've owned and operated franchises. I love franchising because it helped me change my life. I was a subway conductor in New York City before getting involved with franchising. And so I just enjoy helping people change their lives the way I changed my life. If you have an opportunity, go to thefranchiseacademy.com to check out my books and also my recent release of a online course on how to buy a franchise. Everything that you need to know, you could do it on your own. It's kind of like a paint by numbers kit, if you will, on how to buy a franchise. So check that out at thefranchiseacademy.com. So today we're focusing on veterans. One of my favorite subjects because of veterans, I get to do this every single day and you get to do what you do in your life every single day. So many thanks to all the veterans on all sides of the service. And today, I have with me Paul Huzar, who is the CEO and founder of VetCore, which is, believe it or not, one of my favorite industries, which is uh, water restoration. And I'll, we'll talk about why it's my favorite in a couple of minutes. So Paul comes to us through West Point and 27 years in the Army, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his business and how he is trying to help the world and help veterans all over the country. Paul, welcome to the Franchise Academy. Well, thanks so much for having me, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. And really, it, thanks on behalf of all the veterans for your passion about helping vets. It's awesome to be here, and I look forward to our chat. Yeah, absolutely. And if, you, you know, if you've never been to my website, um, and, I, and I don't know that you've gotten an email from me, Paul, but I put in all my email signatures that uh, if you are a veteran, just email me and you get a free copy of my book, Franchise Savvy, which is the number one bestseller on Amazon. And it's basically my stories, good and bad, on my franchising experience, having owned and operated two franchises. One was a great success and one, one was a failure, which made me a franchise expert. And so um, if, if you're a veteran, please reach out and I'll be more than happy. I'll be honored to actually send you a copy for free. Um, not a download, I'm talking about a real book. Paul, how did you come up with VetCore? Tell us all about this. Well, so completely by accident. And just one minor correction, I'm not the founder. I was the guy who was hired to start it, uh, which is important to know in this concept of how this happened. I retired from the army and moved to Tampa because it's where I wanted to live, all the qualities of life that I was looking for. And through this crazy series of networking events, I got connected with David Howard, who is the, the founder. Um, David was an army officer for five years and then spent 25 years in the insurance industry 
and had just gotten hired to run a forensics engineering company. I'm a licensed professional engineer, former Army Corps of Engineers officer. I have a master's in engineering. David happened to get my resume, and that's how we got connected. I got, I got, he called me in for an interview. I thought I was interviewing for an engineering management position. It turns out that the engineering, forensics engineering company that he was working for, he was the CEO of, um, primarily made their uh, fortune in the sinkhole business, doing cause and origin loss investigations. And, and being from Florida, you kind of know that was a that was a big deal. It still is a big deal, um, but some legislation had changed, mitigating their ability to kind of gain revenue from that because their insurance carriers were their clients. And so their revenue was waning. They were looking for other ways to earn revenue. David knew insurance, knew the preponderance of water damage claims, particularly in Florida, and decided to create this company to help vets. Hence the name Vet Corps, because we primarily hire our policies. We hire veterans and those who share similar values. And he hired me to be the the president, I like to say, you know. Uh, but I was the first employee, president of one. And it was at the time when I was struggling, like many veterans, you know, to uh, to look for an opportunity to do something that was worthy of kind of, you know, I felt the level of responsibility that I had earned. Um, and then he hired me. He took a chance on me. And then we've expanded pretty significantly since. That's so cool. So um, is the franchise itself based in Tampa? Yeah. So the franchise headquarters is in Tampa. And then um, we started our first office in Tampa. Right. So um, I started the business. The first thing I did is I hired a retired sergeant major uh, who is a dear friend of mine. We know each other for 30 years. And he and I set out to man, train, equip the business. And, and we did. And um, we started earning clients through David's connections as a leader in the insurance industry. Now we're up to over 60 insurance company clients as preferred vendors, eight TPAs, third-party administrators. And when we did that, we started listening to you know, what they needed. And so we expanded our, our Tampa office, um, covered six counties surrounding Tampa Bay. And then uh, crazy, another crazy story, but for another time, I had the opportunity to buy the company and become the owner. And David stayed on as a minority owner and strategic partner. He actually facilitated the deal, kind of helping me buy his partner out. We opened a second office in the Gulf Coast and then a third office in Southeast Florida, Miami um, uh, and, and Broward County area because we were listening to insurance carriers and, and they, needed, they needed help there. And so we had proved we could replicate the business, you know, two additional times. We'd done that successfully. Along comes a lot of hurricanes and stuff in Florida the last several years. We proved the kind of our value of a veteran that, that, that we could, you know, deploy to contingency operations, command and control larger scale operations. We started earning even a better reputation doing that. And then a little over two years ago, we decided to start franchising to really be consistent with what our mission is. And our mission is and, and our vision is really become the premier private employer of veterans and the brand known for timely, quality, reliable service and the value of veterans, creating meaningful, sustainable employment opportunities and now business ownership opportunities through our franchise system for veterans. Just love that mission. That is so great. Uh, and and it's really a missing piece of of you know what's real and what's not in for for veterans, right? There's a lot of talk, but there's very little action is what I've seen. Um, not, not that I'm deeply involved myself. Are you aware, and this is totally an aside, I meant to ask you this before you went on the air, are you aware of um, VetFran? 
Yes. Uh, unfortunately, you have to be a franchisor for three years. So we can't join VetFran quite yet, uh, but we will. I, I went to my first VetFran meeting uh, in 2017. I went to the IFA conference on a whim because somebody told me we had a good com we had a good concept. I should go if I was interested in franchising. Just go to vet to 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 the IFA. I did. It was in Phoenix. I you know I, I registered on a whim. I'm like, oh, vet friend, what's this? So I wandered into the meeting, just kind of introduced myself. I'm not shy. And uh, and there were so many people that just kind of welcomed me with open arms, willing to share. They heard what we were doing. They were interested. You know, two years, it wasn't for so two years later that we actually started, had an FTD and started franchising, but met a ton of people through VetFran. They've been hugely helpful. Um, and Steve White, the president of Pure Clean, actually a competitor of ours, but not really because the industry is so big. He's a former infantry officer. I consider him a mentor of mine. He's the president of VetFran. Uh, so great, great people um, in VetFran, and, and we love it. We can't wait to be able to join. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, Steve is, is a good friend of mine. I've known him for many years before he was even involved with PuraClean. Um, and, uh, and quite a few of the people over there. And I, and I was at that Phoenix meeting. I, I go to the IFA, so International Franchise Association, for those listening who don't know. Um, and, and that's what the CFE is after my name. If you ever got an email from me, certified franchise executive through the International Franchise Association, uh, which is a great program. And I highly recommend it to anybody in the franchise industry who's listening. So, um, so good stuff. So, um, you, and you expanded outside of Florida, right? So where, where do you have locations now? Yeah. So, you know, we started <laughs> crazy about six months before COVID happened, uh, uh, right. But we really, it's been it's been pretty awesome because of our relationships with insurance carriers and TPAs, third-party administrators. Um, we looked at where we kind of had clients already, and we were pretty much had coverage in just about every state, the varying degrees and, and levels of density in the marketplace. So now we have six franchise locations in Florida. We have two in Texas, one in Georgia, one in Virginia, and one in New York. Uh, looks like pretty soon we're going to be opening one, uh, awarding one in uh, Kentucky and one in Ohio. And we're really excited about that. Um, our, our strategy has been Florida first, excuse me, from geographically kind of targeting that because really that's where we have our over 60 insurance carriers in Florida, as you probably know, is a unique insurance, property and casualty insurance state. But then what we said is if talent finds us, and we do a lot through social media to kind of um, promote the value of veterans like this, like we're talking about now. And if veterans find us and they are, and we think they have the right talent to be the first pioneers in the state, or, you know, we'll ride that talent. Because I think it, inherently veterans see talent much differently than kind of their civilian peers. We see, we believe we can do anything. And, and for the most part, I believe we can. Shh, don't tell other people that because, you know, they think you're crazy. And most veterans are crazy because we believe we can do anything. And so we'll look for the right mix, the right talent. And if, if they have that talent that, and they're interested in us, it's a good fit for us, good fit for them. You know, we'll go together and, and, um, and penetrate a state or, or support another, you know, second or third one in the state. Absolutely. That's pretty awesome. So when you're looking for candidates for the franchise, so must they be a veteran? I think you said something about like-minded. Are you looking for people who understand um, plumbing or 
sewers? What, what, what's the best candidate for you guys? Uh, so they don't, one, they don't have to be a veteran. Uh, again, our policy, we hire and award franchises to veterans and those who share similar values. Our vision is to become the brand known for timely, quality, reliable service and the value of veterans, which we, th we think works very well in the insurance industry, right? And in the restoration industry. But here's what we're looking for. And it's this, this chart I carried around on my phone. We're looking for people who have the intersection of these four things. What you love doing, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you're good at, right? Now, you don't have to be good at restoration, but you have to be good at learning because we have a great training system, right? And you, you don't have to love doing restoration, but you have to love helping vets. And, and if those, those are two generally the biggest things, right? You know, people make the mistake. Some people are like gym rats, right? And they want it. So they want to buy a gym franchise. Not necessarily a good fit because you're not the one working out in the gym. You're running the business, right? You're right. So you're spot we'll, on. We'll teach you how to run the business, right? And most vets come with significant leadership, management ex experience. Absolutely. But, you know, have little financial experience, insurance, marketing, all that stuff. You don't learn any of that in the military. We've got the scars to prove it because we're just like you. We were once a veteran, or we are a veteran. We were once on active duty, and we transitioned, and we've learned those lessons. And really, that's what you pay for in a franchise fee and royalties. Pay for somebody else's scars, right? Somebody else's lessons learned. You'll learn lessons, but hopefully they won't be as painful as the ones we learn. So true. And and so the um, the... Just if you could explain quickly what, what restoration is just for folks that are listening that don't know. Yeah, no, so people think, you know, well, Florida, hurricanes, and that stuff happens. And literally when that happens, pun intended, they're rainmakers, right? Because we can make a lot of money in hurricanes, command and control of small unit level operations and disaster. Veterans are good at that. But what are they really typically on a day-to-day -day basis? Dishwashers, ice makers, hot water heaters, air conditioning units, roof leaks, kitchen fires. We also do biotrauma crime scene cleanup. We do, you know, high winds, trees hit your roof, you know, remove uh, shingles and you got roof leaks and all that stuff. So those things happen relatively routinely, relatively predictable. And they're almost all um, insured losses from your home insurance. The American dream still exists. People want to own their own home. Most people can't afford to pay cash. So they, they get a mortgage. In order to have a mortgage, you got to have home insurance. Most home insurance carriers cover all of those things. And they happen at the worst times when you can't predict it. And, and you don't know how to deal with it yourself. And typically, you're not equipped to deal with it. When something, you know, when your dishwasher explodes all over and goes on your hardwood floors, how do you know how to dry out your hardwood floors? How do you know when they're dry? How do you know when they're, they're over dry, under dry? How do you know you don't have residual water leading to mold? Those kinds of things. And the cool thing about this is, Tom, think about this. When's the last time you had a service call of any kind and somebody said they were going to come to your house, right? And in Florida, you're in Florida with me, right? I say, you know, like air conditioning repair man, or just say the cable guy. When did they tell you they were going to come to your house? Between nine and one. Yeah, you get some crazy four-hour window, right? And then oftentimes they don't show up and, you know, so veterans right? On time is late and early is on time. So we don't give time windows, we give times. 
because in my opinion, a service company that can't, can't do any better than predicting a four-hour window has a problem with commanding and controlling small unit level operations. And just about any veteran I know can get a group of guys and a group of gals to be at the right place at the right time with the right kit to accomplish their mission. Yeah. Love it. So that's consistent with that brand promise, right? Veterans show up on, on time, fit, polite, in uniform, treat you with dignity and respect. They're competent in their duties. You know, that that's what, that's what our value proposition is on top of creating opportunities for vets. And, and, you know, I was, before I moved to Florida, my home in New York, I had for 29 years, within those 29 years, I had four reportable water incidents. So you just, you know, washing machine hose broke or no one was home, like, you know, two feet of water in the basement. That was the first one. Um, I, the, we had a cleaning lady and she moved the refrigerator out. Put it back, copper line. Fine. Yep. Just we didn't know it, but for days it was bloop, bloop, bloop. And then yep. you know, all of a sudden the floorboards are like buckling. You're like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, you don't, you're like, wow, how did this happen? What happened? We see it every day, right? So we come in and we're like, okay, we got this. And we come in with the kind of the presence of veterans. We got this. We're here to help calm, right? Because the American public have faith and trust in veterans. And, and there's this cool thing I, t- I talk about when I'm talking to like potential investors or potential clients said, the Gallup organization has done um, a survey on the American public's faith and confidence in institution for over 30 years. And do you know what institution the American public has the most faith and confidence in consistently over those 30 years? The U.S. military. And for the last eight years that it's been added to the survey, you know what the number two is? Small business. So how about we start a small business based on the cultures, norms, and values of the U.S. military in disaster restoration? I love it. That's so great. I have to ask you, I don't want to kind of throw a curveball at you or put you on the spot, but you started this franchise operation six months before COVID hit. How did you make that transition? Uh, so that's a great question, and it's not a curveball at all. Um, conditions changed, but several things. One, we're an essential business. And so the the restoration business itself really didn't suffer because people are still having dishwashers, ice makers, hot water heaters, air conditioning units leak. And, they, and, and so what we did, the cool thing is we were already doing mold remediation. So we already had all the PPE we needed. We had the N95 masks, we had the nitrile gloves, we had even the, uh, the Tyvek suits. And so as COVID happened, we started to look and, and, and say, okay, what's happening right in front of us and what can we do about it? The other thing is um, the procedures that are required to remove mold spores from the air and really remediate mold in the house is almost exactly what's required to do for COVID. So we started COVID disinfecting as well. Um, that didn't turn out to be as, as large of a, a deal for us because it turns out, you know, everybody kind of didn't go to their offices, right? And, and everybody kind of went home. And, uh, and plus then it became very polarized about, you know, politically and stuff. So the good thing was we did a lot of 
we did uh, we helped a lot of people doing COVID disinfecting and we still can because you got to clean the air and, and we do that with um with our mold uh, remediation policies and procedures but we were an essential service that really didn't really didn't affect us where it did affect us it, it was on the franchising side the ability to get to conferences and talk to people yeah and so we had to really change how we did that and we changed to kind of a more digital marketing approach and then we also started doing a bunch of these webinars and things for like franchising one-on-one for veterans. So we could still talk to veterans, just, you know, not in person. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, obviously it's clicking because you're getting new franchise owners, even through COVID. That's yeah. Awesome. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm never satisfied. I, I thought we would have more. I want to go faster. You know, I, I was just telling the story to a friend of mine today. When I, when I assumed command of a battalion and took them into Iraq, um, you know, I was ready to go. It was my third combat deployment in, in four years going to Iraq. I knew exactly what we needed to do. And as soon as we took over, it was Iraqi elections and we had we weren't allowed to go off base for like four days because the Iraqis, the Iraqi army had to show their presence and we had to minimize U.S. presence. I was like, wait a minute. We're, no, we're ready to go. Let's go. And I, I kind of feel like that. I kind of feel like we're running in molasses, even though, you know, we're doing well for an emerging franchisor. Um, my, my goal is higher. Okay. And it always should be right. Yep. So striving for more. And that's, and that's great. What is um, a, a kind of a, a mistake or a lesson learned that you could share? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, small businesses fail with, within the first three years because they're undercapitalized, right? It's the number one cause. So I remember um, I had just started the business, it became the owner of the business. And I was meeting with a financial advisor, like personal financial advisor. And so she's like, okay, so you're a business owner now. So, you know, let's talk about, you know, what you can invest and everything. So obviously, you know, you're, you own the business. So you've got three months operating capital in the bank at any given time. <laughs> what 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 <laughs> i'm supposed to have three months operating capital in the bank that's how i started the business i'm like oh man <laughs> i wonder small businesses fail <laughs> i'm undercapitalized and uh fortunately for us yeah everything has been for the most part trajectory uphill but you know there were certainly in the early days before we franchised and when we just had one office where you know it was tough making payroll and I learned those lessons the hard way. I was undercapitalized. And now we, we, we use those lessons to make sure that our, that our franchisee teammates are not undercapitalized. There you go. And, and I'll, I'll just share this. This is, I don't need to tell you this before our listeners, the way I teach it is you need three buckets of money to be successful in a business, whether it's franchised or not, that's the money to get open. That's just one bucket. Right. And that's, everything that you need for franchise fee up to the grand opening, you know, the, the, the flags yep. out in front of the building, whatever it is that, and that's just the first bucket. The second bucket is your working capital or your post-closing um, capital, if you will. And so if, so now you got the business up and running, you're starting, but you're not making money right away. It's going to take a few months to ramp it up. And if you have a brick and mortar store, it's going to take even longer because you have a lot of overhead. So you need enough money to pay your bills, pay the rent, pay the staff, 
Um, and so you need that working capital. The third bucket actually doesn't have a name and most people totally forget about it. And this is where people get in trouble. And it's called, I call it home capital, H-O-M-E. And this is the money you need to pay your bills at home as you're working towards making money in the business. Common sense, but uh, people forget about it. Um, and people feel like, oh, you know what? The franchise says it only costs $40,000 to start the business. I'm like, that's just the franchise fee. <laughs> right. That's not the equipment. That's not the truck. That's not the build out, you know? So that's the working capital part. Um, and, and so. And, and also, uh, I'm sorry. And also understanding the aspects of cash flow, right? So you can have this successful business that starts earning money as soon as you open the doors, right? In our case, let's say that you're wildly successful and you get a job, which has actually happened with some of our franchisees the day they open their doors, right? So you get a job, it takes, let's say, three days to complete the job, another day to submit the invoice, et cetera. And then typically, the insurance carriers pay us directly because we're a preferred vendor for them. So typically, we're getting paid within 30 days. So let's say, you know, say 30 days to be conservative to get it paid, plus the three or four days to do the job, plus one day to do the invoice, et cetera. So that's 35 days if everything goes right. So how many payroll cycles is that? That's two or three payroll cycles at least where you have to front the money. And that's assuming you got a job on day one. Amen. You're exactly right. That's a great example. That's very well said. And that's why people really have to think about it as they're going in. Um, I just, I can't stress it enough that, you know, failure is because of lack of capital more times than not. So I appreciate that. Um, what is uh, one myth that you can bust about either the restoration business or, or franchising? Uh, let me bust it about franchising and veterans. So people say veterans, they make great franchisees, and they do. But there's a myth about veterans in general that, you know, all we do is follow orders. And the reason that we're good at franchising is because they come, you know, with an SOP, an operations manual, you learn how to do it. And that's why we excel because we're good at following orders. What people don't understand is yes, we follow orders, but the US Army is the greatest, and the US military is the greatest military in the world ever run the planet because of the initiative of the small unit leader. Because we're taught to understand intent. No commander's intent two levels above. And intent means purpose understanding the why people always complain about millennials oh, you got to tell them the why why you, you know we've been leading in the u.s military by telling people the why forever because it's important so franchisees who are veterans who understand the why not only can they follow an sop they make it better because they understand the why the purpose they exercise initiative and you know there's a there's a myth that Franchisees are entrepreneurs. They're not, right? They're small business owners. Entrepreneurs can get ideas and, and they can execute violently on their idea. Franchisees can't. They have a left and right limit. But man, they'll push the limits of those left and right limits to stay within intent and make it shine, man. And that's why veterans are such great franchisees because they do follow SOPs, but they make them better because they understand intent and they don't just rotely follow orders. Right. And I, so I'm a hundred percent on board with that. And I just want to kind of add 
a little bit to that. There, what I mean, so I get what you're saying. It all comes down to these men and these men and women that are in those positions are not afraid to make decisions. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yep. So so many people get you know the deer and headlight syndrome and they don't make a decision. No decision is the worst decision ever. <clears throat> so that's another reason why. Any um, any books on your radar that have uh, changed anything? If, you know, if you're a reader, anything that you would recommend? Yeah, I read a I read a ton. I mean, we're at, we're we're operating based on the entrepreneur operating system. EOS Traction is a great book for that for running a business. But what I'll tell you, my best recommendation for any book ever is First Things First by Stephen Covey and Roger Merrill. So I read that book before I was a company commander in the army. And it taught me to keep life balance because um, I, I believe you got, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And all of that time belongs to you. And you've got to apportion it based on, you know, what needs to go to work, what needs to go home to kids, to wife, spouse, friends, hobbies, etc. And that book really taught me how to maintain balance in my life and, and really um, have fun but also the difference between what's important and what's urgent and, and the difference between the two and focusing on the important. And, yeah. and that's really what has allowed me to, to succeed in life overall. Love it. Um, any advice to someone who's listening now and they're on the fence or thinking about buying a franchise or not sure any advice that you would give to somebody right now? Uh, talk to us. One, uh, we do a ton of stuff on um particularly if you're a veteran but even if you're not we do kind of franchise 101 webinars we have them on our youtube page um if you're if you're really thinking about it join the ifa um i went to the ifa like i said two years before we started franchising i i enrolled in the emergency emerging franchiser boot camp so when i did they enrolled me in the cfe program i got my cfe almost before we had our fdd and, and as a result of that, I knew all the ins and outs. I had the connections and stuff. So I knew what I was getting into before we got into it. I knew that it generally takes a franchisor between a 40 and 100 units to become sustainably profitable based on royalty revenues alone. But most franchisors are like, what? <laughs> uh, so, you know, invest in yourself. Um, you know, in, investigate the IFA, join the IFA, and go to IFA conference, start your CFE and learn. Because e even if you don't, I mean, it costs maybe a thousand, two thousand dollars to do that. And and if you do decide to pursue franchising, you're so much better prepared. And if you're not, okay, you've you've learned all this stuff about business, and, and then you've avoided a drastic mistake in the future. Great advice, and that's uh, pretty unique. I, I don't think anyone has ever given that type of advice. Um, so I appreciate that. How could people get in touch with you uh, if they want to ask about your business or about anything that you mentioned? Yeah, I appreciate it. So I'm a social media hog. Uh, I am all over Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. It's Paul Huzar, H-U-S-Z-A-R. There, there are not too many Huzars on there. Uh, VetCoreServices.com is our website, B-E-T-C-O-R Services, which also has a link to VetCore Franchising. Um, we have, it also has a link to our YouTube page where we have a lot of videos, informational about just veterans in general, veteran employment, veteran advocacy, franchising in general, et cetera. 
And, uh, you know, what I would tell people too, if you're a veteran or an advocate or family member of a veteran, connect with me on LinkedIn. I, my contacts are something, I don't know, like six, 7,000 contacts. You know, when I was transitioning as, as, as a military officer, <laughs> I had zero and nobody gave a crap about it. And uh, so now I'd say use my network as your advantage. And because LinkedIn is a great tool for that, even if you're not looking at franchising, just to network. And so I'm happy to use my network for the good of fellow veterans out there. Well, great. Thank you for that. Hey, I want to thank you for being on the Franchise Academy. This is unbelievable stuff. If you want to learn more, please go to thefranchiseacademy.com. Hear more from these folks at, at, um, at VetCorps and learn more about franchising. So, Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.